Hello, this is Bad Vibes. Joining me on today's video is a very good friend and my favorite narrator, Being Scared. If for some reason you aren't sub to his channel already, his channel link will be in the description. Make sure you hit that like button and sit back, relax, and enjoy. One evening, when I was a junior in high school, my mom and dad went out, leaving me home alone. I had a lot of homework to do, so I spent the whole evening sitting at my desk in my bedroom. My parents left the house around 6 p.m. While I was doing homework, I put my headphones on and listened to loud music. There was a storm that night, and my desk was facing the window, so I could see the rain and the lightning outside. My parents came home around 11 p.m., when I saw their car drive up, I took off my headphones. As soon as my mom opened the front door and came inside, I heard her shout my name. What on earth happened here? She demanded in an angry voice. Confused, I ran downstairs. My mom was standing in the hallway with a furious look on her face. She pointed at the floor and yelled, Was this you? I looked down and saw the carpet was covered in muddy footprints. I have no idea how those got there. I spent the whole night at my desk doing my homework. I watched as her face changed from anger to confusion and then to fear. We both realized at the same time someone must have been in the house. We followed the trail of footprints trying to make sense of the whole situation. They started out the back door which we usually leave unlocked. Then we noticed something else. The footprints started out the back door but there is no trail of the footprints going back through that door. All of a sudden, we hear a loud, pounding noise that echoed throughout the house, then the sound of the front door being wrenched open and slamming shut. We all ran into the garage and locked the door behind us. My mom took out her cell phone and called the police. Please come quickly. There's someone in our house. After what seemed like hours, a patrol car arrived with two police officers, a male and a female. One of the officers stayed with us in the garage, while his partner went through the house, searching it room by room. When she came back, the female officer told us that there was no one in the house, and it was safe to go back in. As we were all breathing a sigh of relief, she asked, Whose bedroom is upstairs on the left? My parents looked at me. It's mine, I told the officer. She asked me to follow her. As we walked through the house, we could see the trail of the muddy footprints leading from the back door, through the living room, through the hallway and up the stairs, into my parents' bedroom and towards my room. They stopped at my doorway. The female officer pointed at the door, which had been open the whole night. Scrawled on it in blue marker was the following. 847, I see you. 853, you forgot to lock your back door. 8.59. You seem focused. 9.27. Turn around. 9.47. Look at me. 10.15. Look at me. 10.37. Look at me. 10.49. Look at me. For more than two hours, someone had been standing in my doorway, watching me. To this day, I still shudder to think of what would have happened if I would have turned around. 
so this happened last night. I was at a classmate's house, working on a group project we have due tomorrow. I live in an apartment in the town where the university is located, and my classmate lives at his parents' house, which is in the foothills of the town. In order to get to the town, you have to drive along a relatively secluded and narrow two-lane road for about five to six miles. We started working on the project at about 6 p.m., and I ended up hanging around for a while after we finished. So I left his house pretty late, around 11 p.m., and started down the road back to the town. I didn't realize how tough it would be to navigate the road at night. There were no street lights, and the road was unkempt and riddled with potholes. On top of this, I had no cell service, so I had to drive very slowly to make sure I didn't blow out one of my tires, since I used the spare a couple weeks back. I figured I was about three miles from the house when I rounded a tight corner and saw a pickup truck with a camper shell parked diagonally across the road. The manner of which it was parked completely impeded my path, so I couldn't drive around it because there was a gully on both sides of the road. The only way for me to go at this point was backwards, where there was a pull-off that I could use to turn the car around. At first I couldn't see inside the cab. But when I turned on my high beams, I saw that there was a man slouched over in the driver's seat, his head resting on the steering wheel, as if he had been knocked out after a bad accident. I immediately sensed something was wrong. The way the car had just coincidentally came to a rest in the position that totally blocked the road was a big red flag for me. I've heard stories about people playing dead on the road to lure unsuspecting people out of their cars so they could rob them. I decided to screw this shit. I elected to go back to my classmate's house and explain what was going on. I threw the car into the reverse and kept my eyes darting back and forth from my rear view to the truck. I looked and saw that I was almost to the pull-off where I could turn around. When I looked back, my heart skipped five beats. The man who had been slouched down in the driver's seat was now walking towards my car in a fast pace while a few other men jumped out of the camper and started moving towards me as well. I panicked and accelerated backwards to the pull-off, which messed up my undercarriage of my car pretty bad. As I pulled into the drive, the guy had already reached my passenger side and was tugging on the door, which, thank the Lord, was locked. I only caught a brief glimpse of him, but his face appeared to be scabbed and leathery, definitely a meth head or some sort of drug abuser. I sped away and didn't slow down at all until I reached the house. I was consistently checking my rearview mirror to see if they were following me. Thankfully, they didn't follow me. And when I reached the house, I explained what happened to my classmate and we called the cops. I was grateful that my buddy's parents were kind enough to let me stay that night. They didn't find anyone along the road matching the description, but I filed an incident report and they said that they would look out for similar vehicles and suspicious activity. But holy shit, I'm still shook up over it. I keep getting the same adrenaline rush I got when the guys started charging me whenever I think about it. I live in a fairly secure area and have two dogs, one of which is a large Doberman and the other is a Poodle. I was home alone as my parents were out for the weekend. Our dogs bark a lot as they are protective and our neighbors really hated when the dogs barked. 
and we would often get notes telling us to keep our dogs quiet. One of the more threatening ones was that they would hurt our dog if we wouldn't keep quiet. So my parents had taken the dogs to a dog kennel to avoid any complications. I was home alone playing video games and watching movies for the weekend. It was the night after they had left and I was playing a video game. I think it was Rainbow Six. I was playing with a few friends online and I had a microphone. I had my window open while I was playing and my friends kept telling me to stop making that squeaky sound. I questioned what they meant and my friends said they heard a loud banging. I removed my headphones and that's when I heard the sound of something slamming against the gate. I peered out my window and saw a tall stocky man with a black hoodie on. I decided to call 911, still watching the man from the window. I was talking to the 911 operator and they told me to lock myself in a room, get out of sight and the police officer was on their way to check it out. But I was overly curious and it got the best of me. So I decided to keep watching the man. He finally broke the wooden gate off the hinges, but he didn't enter. He just stood there with something strapped around his shoulder. Upon further inspection, only from the moonlight, I saw it was a hunting rifle. That's when I decided to hide under the bed and listen out for anything. It was quiet, too quiet. A loud shatter broke the silence, which was a back door, smashed, and footsteps following. The intruder entered my house, and it sounded like he was searching for something. He slowly crept up the stairs. I was getting more and more scared. All of a sudden, I heard a police siren, and I made a stupid decision of bolting and trying to escape the house. I started down the stairs and turned a corner, and was greeted by the large man. The man grabbed me by the neck, and all I could hear was the police sirens getting louder. The police were knocking on the door, and I was quickly losing breath from the man's grip. The man let go, and I was able to grab his rifle and aimed it at him. I pulled the trigger, but nothing. It didn't fire because I'm a dumbass, and the safety was on. But the police shortly kicked down the door and tased the man. The man was found and charged for breaking and entering and carrying an unlicensed firearm. I'm thankful for my safety, and I know everything could have ended very badly. I found myself at home one weekend night. My parents went out of town, and I was returning from a canceled sleepover at my friend's house. The lights were on when I got to the door, and I remember getting a phone call from that same friend shortly thereafter, which would end up being the last normal event of that night. My brother was playing video games in the next room, and I could hear him tapping furiously at the video game while I spoke on the cordless phone. I walked around in the living room and ended the phone call in the kitchen when I remember hearing some sort of high-pitched squeal that came from the house somewhere. I couldn't place where it came from as it sounded the same in every room I went to investigate. It ended about a minute after it started and was interrupted by the phone ringing. But the phone wasn't in the kitchen where I left it. It was in the bathroom on the counter in front of the sink. I answered the phone and there was no one there. So I hung up. It was at that point I heard a dragging sound. 
like a large heavy object was being dragged in the attic crawl space above me. I followed the sound as it slowly navigated from room to room and ended up in my parents' bedroom, who at the time still had a waterbed. After the sound made it to the far wall, it stopped and the phone rang again, and this time it was my friend on the other line. I told him what was going on and he told me to be careful and call the police. After I got off the phone, I laid down on the waterbed. I then heard a knock on the door and answered it quickly, but no one was there. It was at this point I called my brother from his room to check something out. I stormed into his room and there's nobody there. His bed was made and his room spotless. Neither the console nor the TV was on and the controller was wrapped and unplugged. There's no way he could have hid and cleaned his room in those few seconds it took me to make it to his door of his room. I had been alone the entire night, hearing for 20 minutes straight my brother playing his game that he was not present to be playing. The phone rang again, but again, it was not where I left it. This time it was resting on the kitchen counter where I originally left it. So I walked through the entire house to answer it. It was my friend calling again this time saying that the call was dropped for some reason and he was trying to call me back. I explained to him what just happened and I heard another knock on the door. Since I was standing right next to it, I peeked through the window within two seconds of the knocks and there was nobody there. At this point I opened the door and stepped out to the porch to make sure I didn't see anyone running away as I had a large wide open yard and there's nothing to hide behind. I walked into the front yard and looked around, but couldn't find anything. I found myself engaged in several more minutes of talking to my friend before I got off the line. And it was at that moment where I realized that the place I had been staring at while I was talking were two very large black reflective eyes looking back at me. The figure was tall and lanky and stood about 10 feet or so from me. The most notable feature he wore was an inhumanly large smile and he was grinning with oily mechanical teeth from literally ear to ear. Despite me staring directly at him for more than five minutes, I pretended that I didn't notice him, and through willpower alone, made it back inside the house without running as fast as I could. Instead, I walked calmly. I remember feeling like if I ran, he would chase me, and somehow knew that he would have caught me easily. I barricaded myself in my room for the rest of the night, but did not fall asleep. The sun came up the next morning and my parents were home. Nothing like that ever happened before and nothing like that has ever happened since. The following is a very true experience. I've never actually wrote this down before and I don't know if anyone has experienced this too. This happened between 1989 and 1990, and I was at the age of about four years old. To this day, I still get chills thinking about it, and I wonder if some way, unknown, it changed me. My parents had a house in the Inland Empire of Southern California, and at the time, my brother hadn't been born yet, so I was the only child. To give you a layout, my parents' house was a two-story house located in a cul-de-sac. On the bottom floor, there was two bedrooms, the living room and the kitchen. The second floor was just the master bedroom and bath. 
All you could see from the street was the garage and one of the bedroom windows on the bottom floor and the window of my mom's bathroom on the second floor. To get in the front door, you had to walk through the cement pathway that ran alongside the house. You had to pass the first bedroom that you could see on the street. Then you would pass the bathroom window and another bedroom window and then you'd be at the front door. The backyard was beyond this point. My bedroom at the time was the first bedroom next to the front door. My blinds weren't completely down on the bottom window. There was about a six inch gap with nothing covering it. I was pretty young so I didn't really care much about it then. The bed was in the middle of the wall across from the bedroom door and to the left was the window. According to my mom, this all happened right before midnight. My mother was asleep in her room upstairs and my dad was a policeman that worked nights in another city. I was fast asleep in my room and out of nowhere I suddenly awoke looking up at the ceiling. I don't know what woke me or if I just popped awake on my own. After my eyes adjusted to my nightlight of my bedroom, I sat up and started looking around my room. All of a sudden something caught my eye at the window in the gap. First I thought it was a street light reflecting off my window, but I knew for a fact there was only one street light and what I was looking at was obviously two spots and they were spaced apart as if on someone's face. Then I thought, is that a cat looking at me? And yes, I vividly remember thinking these things, trying to debunk this as a four-year-old. I had remembered that my cat's eyes would reflect the light too, but this looked different from that. The cat's eyes would almost have different colors when reflecting. These were two solid, white, glowing eyes, just looking straight at me. I stared at them frozen stiff, trying to make sense of what I was seeing. I couldn't see a face at all. The eyes were just too bright and nothing else stood out. The void or face around the eyes looked blacker than the night. I thought again, well if this was a cat, how would it get up to my window and look in? The curiosity got me and I went for it. I flipped off my covers, turned my four-year-old body towards the window and put my feet on the floor. This is the moment the creepiest thing happened and it will forever be burned into my brain. I got off my bed and got on my knees to get a closer look at this so-called cat. When at this very moment, this faceless pair of glowing white eyes began to slowly and steadily tilt to the side, eyes still locked on me, not blinking once. The feeling of dread and fear shot through my body. Completely terrified, I burst into tears and immediately booked it down the hallway and through the living room then up the stairs to tell my mom. Although I was running pretty fast, it felt like it took forever. When I got to my mom, I was so upset that I couldn't get any words out. Tears were streaming down my face and my mom was becoming seriously concerned at this point. She was able to calm me down, just enough for me to get out the words. There, there's white eyes looking at me through my window on the bottom. Are you sure? My mom asked and then I cried out, Yes. She didn't even go to take a look. She just called the police. I don't remember the time it took for them to arrive or what she said to them, but I finally fell asleep in my mom's bed. I do remember faintly waking up to a knock on the door and my mom going to open it. The cops spoke to her 
and I hear her say, Okay, thank you, good night, and she shuts the door. Did they find him, Mommy? I asked half asleep. No, honey, he said he couldn't find anyone, my mom told me softly. It's okay now, just try to go back to sleep. It's safe to say the next day, my window was covered. Years fast forward, and I'm in middle school now. Every now and then I would think about that night. Sometimes I wonder if that moment was real. If the eyes were really there. Those unforgettable white eyes. One random day the thought came up, and I asked my mom if she remembered that night. She tells me, Yes, of course, why? I don't know, just wondering, I guess. Then my mom proceeds to say, Well, I never told you this, but... But when the deputy came that night, he told me that they made it a priority to get out to our house as soon as they could. Because not very long before I called 911, they received another call for someone else reporting someone looking in their window in our same neighborhood. Hearing the scent chills down my spine, and to this day, I wonder who or what was looking at me that night. This happened a little bit ago, about a month, and it was a bizarre experience to say the least. I'm 15, and I was playing video games before passing out. It was about, say, 11 p.m., when I hear the doorbell ring. Out of instinct, I began to walk downstairs. But about halfway there, rationality came to mind. Who the hell rings the doorbell at 11 p.m.? I silently went back upstairs and stood in the hall, kinda expecting something bad to happen. A minute later, it rings twice. My parents began to leave their room and gave me a puzzled look, and I responded with a shrug. Then he starts banging on the door. My mother jumped at the first bang. My father's eyes widened, but more in confusion than fear. He decided to go downstairs and peek through the view hole. It was our neighbor. My dad hesitantly opened the door, and I could hear my father's voice tremble slightly. Hey, what do you need? Next thing I hear is an entire full-blown scream argument from my neighbor claiming that this household was his and that we had stole it from him. My father's uneasiness was quickly replaced by annoyance and he simply shut the door without giving my neighbor the time of day. My dad stepped on the first step going to the stairwell when our neighbor first hit the door. I'm not talking about a bang with a fist. This man did a full body slam into it. My father was stunned for a second and my neighbor charged at the door again. This time, we began to hear the splintering of wood. Everyone reacted at once. My father went to brace the door with his body. My mother went to get the other two kids. And I went to call 911. The body slamming ensued for another five minutes. And while I was on the phone with 911, it stopped. I thought it was over, and I was relieved. But I still stuck on the phone. I go to peek out the front window of my house. And boy, was it only getting started. Our neighbor took off in his Jeep Wrangler and simply directed it straight at our house. We had zero clue what he was doing. Until he hit the gas and we heard the squealing of his tires. Then he immediately hit the brakes. He was trying to scare us out of our house. I was still on the phone with 911. I stepped away from the front window to comfort my siblings, crack jokes and such. Eventually the police arrived and arrested him. The next morning, I left for school, still shaking from the night before. I stepped onto the front step 
and saw tire marks leading up to our front door. The lunatic nearly rammed our front door with his car. I really want to say I never saw this guy again, but he lives directly to my right. I have a few somewhat creepy stories, but this one takes the cake as the freakiest. I was about 16 at the time. Anyways, my family and I went to visit some relatives we had in a foreign country. I was born and raised in the United States, but we still go back every so often to visit our relatives. My dad didn't want to keep paying for a hotel, so a few years back, we bought an apartment. This trip was our first time staying at the apartment. The way the apartment is set up is the living room is where the entrance is and the only air-conditioned spot. My dad was still back in the United States finishing up some business as he was going to meet us there in a later time. So it was my mom, my three brothers, one older, two younger, and I. The landlord who had given my mom a key sort of was creepy from her description, but it didn't really alarm anyone that much. Also, important to the story, my mom got the key and met the landlord alone since we were still taking care of things at my uncle's house. It's now been a few weeks and my mom couldn't stay at her room since there was no air conditioning. And I don't blame her, so we all slept in the living room. Nothing out of the ordinary happened until four weeks into the stay. It was around 2am. My mom was waking me up, but her finger was over her mouth basically saying, keep quiet. My mom never does this, so I shot up and made a hand motion, asking her what was going on. She pointed at the door, and someone was jiggling the doorknob. I had forgot to lock it, but thank God my older brother got into the habit of chain locks from his days in college. It should be noted that my brother was dead asleep in another room, so I was now the oldest male. My mom was distraught, and I was thinking about what to do. I was still thankful that we at least had the chain lock, but I think the man on the other side of the door noticed that that was all. I see a face pressed up from the small gap, and I shit you not, it was the landlord. After about 10 minutes, he finally gave up, or so I thought. The next thing I see is a coat hanger trying to open the chain lock. I finally decide to do something, So I body checked the door, slamming it shut. I locked the actual lock and yelled in a foreign tongue what would be the equivalent of piss off. I looked through the peephole and the man seemed surprised to hear a man's voice. I guess he assumed it since my mom was the only one to check in that she was the only one living there. He scrambled down the stairs. All said and done, he was gone by 2.30. I looked out the window across the street at the landlord's house and he just stared at me as he turned off the lights in his house. When we woke up in the morning, I told my brother he still credits himself for the chain lock. I do too, but I think I deserve a little credit. We called the police, but they said there wasn't really any evidence, and it was my word against his. My mom wasn't really sure if it was the landlord, but I swore it was him. I had seen him. My dad arrived four days later, and we told him the story. He met the landlord and agreed he was creepy. 
My dad actually believed me, and my mom didn't feel safe there anymore. So we left the apartment that day. As we drove away, the landlord gave me a little smirk and a wave. By now it was daylight, and I kind of wanted to beat the crap out of him. Anyways, to the creepy guy who tried to break in and probably attack my mom, let's never meet. This happened a long time ago, late 90s. I was 19. I moved from Oregon to Florida to be my boyfriend at the time. Don't ever do that. I was thinking white sand beaches and Mickey Mouse, but instead I got the swamp, bugs and dirt roads. It was a huge shock to the system. We lived in a dinky little town called Hawthorne, just outside of Gainesville. Don't ever go there. Very small, with one stoplight and four stores, Dollar General, Steve's Market, Eckert's Pharmacy, and Sunny's Barbecue. Anyway, I got a job at Eckert's in the middle of town. It was next to the grocery store, so everyone shopped there. After about three months of working there, I walked to start my shift one day, when the manager pulled me into his office. Laid out on his desk was about 30 to 40 open letters all addressed by hand to me. Do you know this person? My manager asked. No. Read one. So I picked the cheerful yellow one. Inside were two handwritten letters and magazine cutouts of a woman with long blonde hair, just like me. As my manager watched on, I read the letter. I skipped around a lot of confusion, desperately trying to find out why I was in this room. From what I read, it was mostly someone imagining what spending time with me would be like. A lot of it was sexual nature. There were descriptions and comments about my hair, washing it, smelling it, and something about the moonlight. A few sentences were highlighted. Others were underlined. My first thought was, am I getting fired? Do you know this, David Elroyd? I said yes, I think so. The tall, lengthy guy with thick glasses and frizzy, dark blonde hair. The regular who comes in a couple times a week to pick up Diet Coke and medication for his mom. Late 20s and obviously socially or mentally challenged. On rare occasions, he would try to make small talk as I ring up his soda. Once or twice, he would linger around the register and just stare at me. But I figured he was just trying to adjust his eyes or had poor social cues Harmless compared to some of the other people I had met in Florida. So I didn't pay him any mind until that day in the Eckerd's office. I knew he had wrote the letters because of the strange encounter two weeks earlier. While working, he came up from behind me and caressed my hair. I had to remove his hands and then he apologized. Weird. No harm. I went back to work. After telling my manager about this, He informed me that the customer was going to be banned from the store and I was being sent home while they worked out the details. What details? Confused, I walked out the store and drove home. Two hours after I got home from my non-shift at work, there was a knock at my door. I looked out the window to see what resembled a SWAT team. What the hell? I saw men in tactical gear with large weapons and two men dressed in suits and several ununiformed cops. 
in what seemed like slow motion to me. I open the door. A female holds up an oddly familiar letter. Can we come in and talk about these? Realizing that everyone in town had read the letters, I wanted to pass the hell out. I didn't even know the guy. We sat in the scene on my couch and she begins to speak. Out of the corner of my eye, I see my boyfriend shooting me dirty looks from the bedroom. The female officer mentions getting the letters from Eckerd's and attempting to issue a trespassing notice. They wanted to speak to him directly, she said, because the whole department was aware of David. The officers confronted him at his residence and attempted to invoke a trespassing notice from Eckerd's store. Apparently, he was not happy about this. He insisted for over 45 minutes that it was some kind of big mistake. He was so combative and persistent, they decided to pursue stalking charges. Stalking charges? She continued, You need to be aware that David killed and partially dismembered his mother's body when he was 12 years old. He was just released from the juvenile psychiatric facility less than four years ago. We found disturbing materials at his home, she continued. We believe he's been stalking you. My mind kept wandering. But the Diet Coke, he said it was his mom's favorite drink. David was arrested the next day for stalking after he was found in the Eckerd's parking lot. But the last official word was, he went back to the psychiatric hospital, at least temporarily. I didn't have a chance to read the letters of Fool, because they were entered into evidence. Nor did they explain what they found at his house. So I never had a complete picture of what was happening. My boyfriend at the time was a huge dick about everything. So I moved back to Oregon a few weeks later. Besides, who wants to hang around when Norman Bates is fixated on you? This happened last year when I was 15. Me and my friend, I'll call her Kate, were messing around in our neighborhood one day. We were on the other side of the road, playing around with sprinklers and other stuff like that. Suddenly Kate said to turn around and look behind me. I did, and when I looked at the home behind us, I saw someone looking through the window. I couldn't really tell what he looked like, so I just ignored it and turned around. A few minutes later, Kate told me to look again. I did, but this time there was a woman with him at the window. They were just staring at us, and I began to feel uneasy. But again, I turned back around and ignored them. As the sun went down, I went back to my house, which was across the street, and Kate went to hers, which was a few blocks away. A couple hours later, around 10 p.m., my phone lit up. I was watching Orange is the New Black, so I ignored it. Then I got another alert, so I picked up my phone and looked at the screen. My two alerts were from Snapchat. Someone added me, and their username was something like Jaden, with a few numbers after it, and they sent me a picture. I waited until the episode was over to open it. It was a black screen with a message saying, Hey, I ignored the message. Around six or seven minutes later, I got another Snapchat. It was a black screen saying, Why didn't you answer? Again, I ignored the snap and went back to Netflix. When my phone buzzed again, I didn't look at it. Throughout the episode, I got around four more alerts, which I ignored. Then I fell asleep. When I wake up the next morning, I had 11 alerts. 
Most of them were black screens saying, why aren't you answering? Or, I know you're awake, answer me. But the last one freaked me out. It was a picture of my house, taken from across the street with a caption, answer me now. I was stupid, so I didn't screenshot the pictures, but I did block him. I didn't hear anything about it for a few days, but then I got another alert of someone adding me. It was the same username as before, but with the one after it. Then I got sent multiple snaps. I didn't open any of them because I was in class. Four hours later, I checked my Snapchat. All of the pictures he sent me were pictures of me. Some were of me during lunch and some when I was walking home from school. Again, I blocked the user and I didn't get any screenshots just like last night. I then got a snap of my window, again taken across from the street by the same user, but this time with a two after it. I told my dad and he freaked out and called the police. When they arrived, I told them everything, but they couldn't do anything since I didn't have any screenshots. I don't know what to do. Update. I deleted Snapchat, but he has found me on other social medias. I've blocked him on everything and I'm thinking about deleting everything. So I was right outside my apartment. An unknown person snuck around the corner and sprayed me with pepper spray while I was looking at my phone. I could make out a tall, thin man with a backpack walking away with his hands in his pockets before I lost the ability to open my eyes. There were no other people on the sidewalk in either direction. I didn't see his face. He didn't say anything or try to take anything from me or even grab me. He didn't even stick around to watch me be all messed up. He just walked away like nothing happened. I'm very thankful I was able to feel for my keys and get back into the building. But then I started to realize I could have permanent damage if I didn't get to a sink. I couldn't find my keys to my studio and I was starting to not be able to breathe. I pounded on every door I could feel until my neighbor, whom I had never met before this moment, opened it for me. She let me in and led me to her bathroom and I tossed water everywhere. I felt so terrible for just commandeering her bathroom and bringing that smell into her place, but I was internally grateful to this lady for helping me calling the police. They didn't find him, and now I'm wondering if this was random or this dude was waiting for me. So to the asshole who randomly attacked me for who knows why, that's not me. When I was 27, I went out with my friends one night downtown. I lived alone, and when my friend dropped me off this night, it was really late, around midnight. My friend drove off immediately, and when I was walking up to my front door, I felt very uncomfortable. I had a very strong feeling that someone was in my house. I stood at the front door and contemplated going inside and tried to convince myself that I was just being silly. The feeling was too strong, and I was trying to remember if I had turned off all the lights in my house before I left. I never walk around my house and turn them all off before I leave, but this night, as I stood at the front door, every light in my house was off.
I turned around and began walking away, and then turned the corner and started walking down the sidewalk. The friend who had just dropped me off lived about eight blocks away, and I decided to just walk to her house. Shortly after I had started walking, I came to the realization that someone was walking behind me. I glanced back and saw a dark shape. It looked like a really tall man. It was so late and nobody was around. I was terrified. My heart began to throb in my chest and I thought about sprinting the rest of the way, but I knew if I did, it would be very obvious that I was afraid. I couldn't bring myself to do it, but I was walking as fast as I could. I could hear the footsteps behind me, and it sounded like they had sped up with me, but they weren't running. When I finally reached my friend's house, my heart dropped into my stomach when I saw that her car was not in the driveway, and all her lights were off in her house as well. I turned around, and the man was standing on the corner of the intersection I had just crossed, staring at me. I froze and just stared back at him. After what seemed like forever, he finally turned around and disappeared behind some bushes. I took that opportunity to run. I knew of an alternate way to get back to my house, and I didn't stop running until I got home. My front door was wide open. I worked at a pretty well-known record store in Los Angeles in the 90s. A guy in his early 20s used to come in and ask me about records a lot, and one day in conversation he let a weird detail about my life slip that I hadn't told him. I brushed it off, thinking my co-workers must have mentioned it to him since he was such a regular. About a week later I was driving home and my car broke down. It was incredibly hot and I had to walk several miles to get to a payphone, which was outside an elementary school. I called a cab and hung up the phone, and after sitting a moment, the phone started to ring, so I picked it up. The person on the other end said, Bad luck about your car. Talk to me until your ride gets there. I hung up the phone, but it was definitely that guy. He had to have followed me from home, trailed me from the car, and then somehow figured out that payphone number. There weren't really cell phones at the time, but there was a gas station and a grocery store across the street. I immediately quit my job and moved back in with my parents within 48 hours. I went in to visit old friends from work a few months later, and they told me that recently someone had been kidnapped right outside the store. I spent six months living alone in a cabin near the end of a dirt road in central New Hampshire. Nearest neighbors were a quarter mile or so up and down the road. It's an area where people definitely keep to themselves. I had all sorts of animal visitors, bears on the porch, you name it, but never random people around. One morning, I went out to my car to go to work. 
it was spring and we had had a late frost. On the rear window of my truck, someone had written, I watch you, with their finger in the frost. I never had an actual problem in the rest of my time there, but as you can imagine, that was terrifying. I lived by myself, and back when I first moved into my place, I went a few weeks without installing a cat door, so I got into the bad habit of leaving the back door cracked open a little bit for my cat to go in and out, but I would usually block the sliding door with a piece of wood or a baseball bat so that it could only open about six inches or so. My house is down a long driveway, and my backyard is fenced, so I figured it would be okay short term. This particular night, I fell asleep watching a movie, and I forgot to put the baseball bat or a piece of wood in the sliding glass door. I had my curtains slightly open to let a breeze come inside since it was a stifling hot, muggy day. I woke up within an hour hearing a tapping coming from my window. An insistent, repetitive tapping. I snuck a look while trying to pretend to be asleep. Sure, it was a branch or something normal. No. There was a man standing outside, looking in at me. It's about this time that I remember the door is open, which is only about six feet to the left of this guy. So I have a dilemma. I can get up and see what he wants, try to bluff my way through getting that door locked, or keep pretending to sleep and risk him getting bored with being creepy and finding it open himself. He keeps tapping. For about ten minutes it felt like, but it might have been less. Eventually I decide I have to nut up and do something, so I get up and make for the back door. The guy stops tapping and meets me there. It turns out it's my neighbor. Right before I slam the door shut in his face, he says, What are you watching? I responded, uh, Inkheart, can I join you? No. I shut the door and looked out the window and watched him walk away. That was the last day that I left the door open, or slept with my curtains open for that matter. When I was about seven years old, I was home from school one day with a cold or flu. My parents were at work, and my nearly 80-year-old grandma had come over to be with me. I was in bed, and she was somewhere else in the house. The cleaning lady suddenly came into my bedroom and sat down heavily on the chair by my desk. She was breathing heavily and managed to say, Are you feeling better? before collapsing sideways onto my desk, awkwardly bashing her head, and ended up sprawled under the table with her head at a strange angle. I was terrified. I waited a moment or two and then approached her, just in time to hear what I much later learned was called the death rattle. Some vomit came out of her mouth. I ran to call for my grandma. She came in and very quickly bundled me off to a neighbor's house, 
where I stayed until the end of the day. I knew that she had died, but my parents pretended for at least ten years that she had just fainted. It was pretty harrowing, and I moved out of that room fairly quickly afterwards. My little brother moved into it. He was far too young to grasp what happened. I can still see her falling, so awkwardly and disturbing. I remember the noise that she made. It was incredibly disturbing. Years ago, my parents had their garage converted into an extra-large bedroom, and this was where we all played games. I was about 10, and it was only the second or third time I had been left alone in the house while my siblings were all away for one reason or another. Naturally, I was up all night playing PS2, having a blast. I don't know how late, but pretty late into it, I suddenly started to hear tapping on the window. I didn't realize it was a sound not produced by my game for a full minute or so, and the sound, like someone drumming their fingers, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, it kept going without stopping. I finally really noticed it when the doorknob rattled and the sound moved to the door, which made it louder. I freaked out and snuck over to the door to double check the locks. They were both unlocked but the door tended to jam, and it was hard to open unless you messed with it. I locked both locks loudly, so the person would know they definitely couldn't get in. But then I heard a gruff older man laugh, and then the tapping sound got louder. Right outside the window I heard, Let me in. I turned out the light, ran to my room and hid in the pitch black darkness until my parents got home a few hours later. I told them what happened and we looked all around, but there was nobody outside, no one in the house, and nothing like this ever happened again. I have no idea who was outside that night, but I'm still afraid that they might return someday when I'm home alone. Last year I was renting a house in a small, economically depressed old mining town in Appalachia. I lived alone. On one of the first warm nights of spring, I awoke at around 4 a.m. to the sound of my doorknob turning. I figured someone must have the wrong address, but it kept turning, persistently. I didn't have a peephole or a window to see who was outside so I just approached the door from inside and yelled, You have the wrong house. Then the door started shaking violently, and something began to slam against it. I tried one last time. You have the wrong house. I heard someone on the other side make a noise, and then started screaming and shrieking like a wild animal. I grabbed a kitchen knife and called the police. About ten minutes later, there was a knock on the door. I opened it cautiously to see an officer who questioned me about the incident. 
Then he asked me to close the door again and remain inside. I couldn't see what was happening out there, so I just turned out the lights and waited quietly with knife in hand. For about 20 minutes, it was dead silent. Then, out of nowhere, my living room window screen started to get pushed in and the curtain started to move. Someone was climbing into the living room. I held up the knife and yelled, Get out! in my most threatening voice possible. Thankfully, I immediately heard after that, Get on the ground! Show me your hands! I heard another horrible wail from outside as the guy was presumably tackled and taken to a police car. A few minutes later, another knock at the door. The officer was back to tell me that the suspect had been captured. This guy was a uniformed cop, but he was visibly trembling and super pale. I could tell that he was really shaken up. I had never seen what the intruder looked like. The next day, I ran into that same officer while he was off duty, as the town that I lived in was very small, and he told me that the suspect had told them that his name was Jason Voorhees, probably a meth addict or some other type of drug user. Those habits don't go well with delusions involving slasher film characters. Over this past summer, I was living alone in my apartment in a relatively safe college town. I was always paranoid and locked the door anytime I got home from somewhere, especially since I'm a female living somewhere alone. One morning, I woke up to go to the bathroom and as I'm in there, I hear the front door creak open. Obviously scared, I carefully leave the bathroom and look around the corner to see the front door open about six inches. I slowly check the apartment for intruders, only to find nothing. Somehow the door was unlocked while I was sleeping and opened by what I choose to call the wind. Needless to say, for the rest of the time I was alone in that apartment, I had a knife close by. One night I was waiting for something to finish in the oven, so I started washing dishes. Once my food was cooked, I sat in front of the TV to eat dinner. I live about 15 miles out of town and don't have any close neighbors. I could hear what sounded like a truck idling outside, but it sounded distant enough that it didn't bother me, and I didn't pay much attention to it. Because I'm in the middle of nowhere, sound travels really easily. Sometimes something that's a mile away sounds like it's pretty close, and vice versa. It idled for about 5 to 10 minutes, and then sounded like it was slowly driving away, then briefly stopping, and then slowly driving off again. I have a really long driveway, about a third of a mile, so it sounded like someone drove down my driveway, and then turned back onto the road, and drove off. Whatever. I didn't pay much attention to it. After dinner, I went back to finish the dishes, 
and I had no water. The only thing I could think of was that maybe the breaker had tripped for the well. On the pole outside, there's a breaker box that only has a couple of switches and a main switch. The smaller switches control the well pump and an outlet. The main line to the house isn't on that switch. It goes to the breaker box inside the house. I get to the breaker box outside and the door is open and the main breaker is off. So the noise that I heard was a truck right outside my house and someone switched off the breaker and was waiting outside. They must have thought that it would shut off power to the house and I would come outside to investigate. I locked my gate for the night and then again when I left for work that next morning. It rained most of the day and when I got home I could see where someone had pulled up to the gate, found it locked and then did a three-point turn around in my driveway. I locked my gate at night for a long time after that, but I always lock it when I'm away, and now I always keep a 357 handy in my house. So it was early evening after the sun had gone down, and I was downstairs in the living room watching TV. My brother was up in our bedroom reading. At some point, this really uncomfortable feeling came over me, and I felt like my brother needed my help. I went upstairs, and our bedroom at the time was at the end of the hallway. As I walked down the hallway, and I'm standing right outside our door, I reach for the door handle, and then I hear someone say, I have to leave now. I opened the door and my brother looked at me and said, someone was just outside my window. They just said that they had to leave. I asked my brother if he was talking to the person and he said no. The only thing that they said was that they had to leave. We were both really creeped out and we told our mom what happened, but nothing ever came of it. For a long time I thought I had dreamt this but a few years ago my brother asked me, Hey, do you remember that one time when we were kids and someone was outside the window? Remember how he left right when you came in the room? What the hell was that? Because he remembered it exactly the way I do, I know that it really happened. Once, when I was around 12 years old, I was home alone and taking a bath. I was rinsing my hair under water, and when I lifted my head, I realized I could suddenly hear what sounded like footsteps walking around outside the room in my house. Both of my parents were at work, and I knew it was far too early for them to be home, so I was completely freaked out and convinced that someone had broken into my house and was walking around looking to steal things or maybe something worse. I had no idea what to do. I was so scared. I sat in the bath, naked, with no phone or any method of calling or doing anything. I was thinking that surely, eventually, the intruders were going to find me, or even worse, they knew that I was in there and was waiting for me to come out. Surely they would know. 
they must have heard the noise of the water in the bathtub. I sat there frozen and panicked for who knows how long before I decided to have a moment of bravery. I figured that I had to do something, so I waited for the noise of them walking around to stop. I got out of the bathtub, dried off and got dressed, and I opened the door and looked around and waited. I did not hear anything after that, and from my vantage point, I could see the hallway and the entrance to every bedroom. When I eventually built up the courage to look around the house, nobody was there. I have no idea what the hell happened, but somebody was in my house. I called both of my parents, and they were both still at work. I moved into my place a couple years ago. Two weeks after I moved in, I found a little flower necklace in my mailbox one day. I didn't think anything of it. I thought maybe a kid had put it in there or something. The next day I came home and there was a pair of female sunglasses in the mailbox. Along with it was a note that read, Hey, I think you would look good in these. You should wear them the next time we're together. I thought clearly this person probably thinks I'm someone else. So again, I ignore it. Three days later, I come home and check my mail again, expecting there to be something. But there's not. I head up to my front door, and there's a pair of women's underwear hanging on the doorknob. Okay, now I'm feeling uncomfortable. I still tried to tell myself that it was just a misunderstanding, so I wrote a note and put it on my front door that basically said, Hey, I don't know who you are, but you need to stop. I'm not who you think I am, and I'm not interested. Then after that, nothing else. About one year later, I came home again and opened my mailbox. There was another flower necklace, identical to the one that was left in there a year earlier. Before my husband and I were married with good jobs, we were young and poor and didn't care where we lived. We rented out a shitty little house behind the landlord's house that was clearly a shed, poorly transformed into a small studio space. At the time, I worked late nights and my husband worked mornings, so I would sleep until around 12 and work all night. The landlord, Greg, was this bald old man with a heavy Russian accent. He was kind of odd, but seemed nice. So was his wife. He had made odd comments and would FaceTime me and invite me into his house. When we first moved in, I kept waking up with a disturbing feeling when I should have been exhausted. I would feel so nervous that I would get up to check the doors and make sure no one was inside. One week, My husband went away to visit his father, and I was alone and literally felt like I was constantly being watched. The bedroom window was back in the yard, and it was heavily wooded. I would hear crunching of leaves and footsteps all the time. 
My husband said I was being paranoid because I was alone, and I thought so too. But then, that same week my husband was away, I offered to watch my friend's dog. So I get home from work around 2 a.m., and I get in bed and fall asleep around 3 or 4 a.m. I woke up shortly after that to the dog barking and growling like crazy. Now, because the space was similar to a studio, we had no doors on anything besides the bathroom. I sprung out of bed, and I see Greg the landlord standing in the living room, hand on the front door, just frozen. He was caught off guard by the dog, and I yelled, What the hell are you doing in here? He quickly apologized and walked out. When I woke up completely from my sleepy days, I realized maybe this wasn't a one-time thing. I took a shower, got dressed, and walked up to their house. Greg's car wasn't in the driveway, but his wife was home. I told her what happened and asked why Greg would use his keys to go in the house without giving me notice. She was nonchalant about it and replied, It's his house, he can do what he wants. I flipped out on her. Clearly this was happening often, and the eerie feeling I was getting, I'm 100% sure was Greg coming in the house and watching me sleep. My grandmother used to work at a mental illness facility when I was little. It was a place prisoners went after committing crimes that were so horrific they were deemed very mentally unstable and not suitable for a prison. One of her patients, who was very fond of her, was put into this place because he had strangled his mom and dad one night, hid their bodies under the floorboards, and every now and then brought his mother's body up to have sex with it. He was caught after a few months because the smell of rotting corpses had reached the neighbors' houses. My grandmother lived within walking distance from this facility, and so the prisoners that were deemed well enough to roam around the grounds were able to see her walking home. One of the patients must have told the one that was fond of my grandmother where she lived because one night he escaped and was skulking around my grandmother's house in the dark, trying to find a way inside. Eventually she saw somebody outside the window and called the police. He was caught and brought back to the facility. Nothing else ever happened, and the man never escaped again. But imagine if he had gotten inside of her house. When I was 19 and my best friend was 20, we were driving back to my house after visiting someone at work. We were on a somewhat busy road. It was getting dark, but wasn't completely dark yet. There were street lights and business lights everywhere, so visibility was still very good. This road was three lanes in each direction, and there was a concrete median dividing the traffic. I was in the left lane next to the median, and a traffic light was coming up. I saw a man standing in the median next to the crosswalk up ahead. It instantly made me nervous. As soon as I was passing him, he stepped out into the street. 
My best friend and I both instantly braced for impact and I slammed on my brakes. But we didn't hit him, and because there was a car to my right, I wasn't able to swerve out of my lane to avoid hitting the man. I didn't turn the car at all. I looked in my rearview mirror, and there wasn't anyone there. I had come to a complete stop, and we physically turned around in our seats to see how he had jumped out of the way. There was no one there, and no way that he could have ran off or hidden anywhere that fast. We both turned toward each other and almost in sync asked each other, Did you see that? We both saw the same exact thing. A man. We couldn't describe his face, and both of us remember being confused because he was wearing a white robe, or that's what it looked like and both of us being terrified because he stepped out into the street right in front of the car, like he was committing suicide. I had my baby in the back seat. She was three months old. She had been crying right before this happened, and then went completely silent when we came to a screeching stop, which added to the weirdness of all of it. We still bring it up occasionally, and neither of us can come up with an explanation for what we saw other than something supernatural. Also, we both saw the white cloth fling across the windshield like we hit the man. But there was no impact. Nothing. It was like he just went through the car. I was sitting in my room one evening after getting home from work on the second floor. My little brother is downstairs watching TV and our dog is in the hallway outside my bedroom door, sleeping. All of a sudden, our dog starts making all kinds of racket, jumping around, barking, even kind of howling. I go to get up to see what's going on and I hear, That's a good girl in a deep, male's voice. It was definitely not my little brother. So I shout, Oh, you're home early, thinking that it's my dad's friend, our roommate. I open the door. As soon as I'm out there, I see that there is no one at all but the dog wagging her tail, staring at the empty end of a hallway. My little brother comes upstairs and he says that he heard the same voice, thinking that it was me. We checked the entire house and found no one. This happened many years ago, and I don't at all feel like it was a misunderstanding, or that my brother and I thought that we heard something but were mistaken. Someone was in our house that night. When I was 15, I was on a date with this girl who lived in my neighborhood. All we did was sit at the park near our houses and talk, and when the sun went down, we left. As I was walking her back to her house, we walked under a huge oak tree, and because it was so dark, we didn't see the massive spider web. We walked right into the middle of it, and of course, freaked out. Eventually. We felt that we got all the webs off of us, and I continued walking her to her house. When I eventually got home, I got right in the shower. 
As I stood under the water looking down, I saw a huge brown wolf spider fall onto the shower floor and go down the drain. The next day, I saw the girl at school. She told me that that morning she took a shower, and while she washed her hair, she felt some movement and eventually watched three huge spiders go down the drain. She had slept all night with the spiders in her hair. Our elderly neighbor fell sick and had to go to the hospital. Her niece asked us to take care of her dog while she was away. So after schoolwork and dinner and all that, my brother and I were sent over to make sure he was doing alright. It was late at night in this weird old lady's house. My brother was in the shed with the dog, and I was in the living room looking at the creepy old photos on the mantelpiece. What follows is true. I heard the door creak, and then a woman's voice called out my dog's name. I freaked out, turned around. Of course, there was no one there. I thought maybe it was the neighbor's niece. But then, I went out to my brother and the dog, and he was freaking out too, because he thought that he heard a woman's voice right outside the shed. We both agreed that we definitely heard a voice. We left the dog in the shed, went home, and were greeted by my dad who told us that the neighbor's niece had just called to say that the neighbor had passed away in the hospital just a few hours ago. My neighbor at my old apartment was a state park ranger for years and is now retired. Apparently, when he first got the job, there was a younger kid who went missing while on a camping or hiking trip. They organized a huge search of the area, to no avail, no clues or anything. The kid was just missing. A few years go by, and some evidence turns up that wasn't in the direction they originally searched. The evidence they found was part of his camping equipment. On his off time, my neighbor took to searching the area where it was found, hoping for more clues. Just outside the state park lived a couple in a very run-down trailer who were quite reclusive and odd. One day, my neighbor had to talk to them about something unrelated to the missing kid. He was in their trailer, which is a mess of junk, no running water, etc., while he is in there, he realizes that the ashtray sitting on a table looks very unusual. He looks closer and realizes that it's a skull and it looks small. There's this investigation into the couple, and here is where things get really weird. An investigation shows that they were innocent of killing the kid. He probably died of exposure or dehydration. Apparently, this guy came across the body afterwards, and his dogs were after it. When he took the skull, it was really recent after death, and apparently, still had features, hair, everything. 
The guy took it and defleshed the damn thing and took the top of it to use as an ashtray. Apparently, he was well aware that there was then a current search for a missing child and could recognize the kid from the pictures. But it never dawned on him or his wife to go to the cops and inform them of their find. He just saw an opportunity for an ashtray. Apparently, he showed them where the remains were, and they scrounged together enough for burial, but kept it quiet so that the family didn't know that some guy put out his Marlboros in their kid's head for five years after letting his dogs eat his remains. My sister and I were playing outside when we were younger, and an elderly couple was walking by our yard. Our yard had a cemetery in the back, so it was quite a common local attraction for tourists, as this house was built in the 1800s, and most of the graves were from children who died back then from the flu. Playing outside, the old couple kept pestering my sister about what her name was as they approached us and got closer. We were just little kids, but got terribly scared, and ran inside and told our mom what had happened. The following week, I heard a story on the news about an elderly couple approaching a teenage girl, kidnapping her, and murdering her. And it was the same couple that had approached my sister and I. My mother-in-law was a very funny and cool woman. She and my wife were really close, and sadly, she passed away when our son was about four months old. Fast forward a few years. We live in an old 1930s-era craftsman house in Pasadena, California. Our son is about three years old at the time. I was giving him a bath one night, and he starts looking over my shoulder not at random stuff, but his eyes were fixed on something. A moment passes, and he asks me why Grandma calls Mommy a funny name. Long pause. I asked him what he meant, thinking that he was talking about my mom. He then says, why does Grandma call Mommy a funny name? I was really set back by this. My wife and I never used the nickname and it was just what her mom called her since she was a baby. I asked him where he heard the name. His reply, The farmer told me. I asked him who the farmer was, and he replied, His friend. I tell my wife this story later, and she's of course reduced to tears over the whole nickname thing. We both know there is no way for him to know what the nickname was, and we were completely at a loss of words. Fast forward to the next weekend, and my son is playing in his bedroom. My wife is at work. I hear him start talking, like he's having a conversation. He's saying things like, Yes, no, I don't know, and then I could also hear him laughing. I go into his room and ask him what he's doing, and he says that he's just playing. I ask with who, and he says, The farmer. 
At this point, I'm already thinking about the Exorcist movie. It's a little unsettling. I ask him where the farmer is. He says that he left when I came in the room. What the hell? So my wife gets home, and I tell her this, and now she's just as weirded out as I am. We have no idea what to do, and figure if it happens again, then we'll do something. A few days later in the middle of the night, we both hear our son saying the following. Grandma says you and I can't be friends anymore. The wife and I go check on him, both of us a little freaked out. He's just sitting up in bed. I ask if he's okay, and he says yeah. Grandma says I can't play with the farmer anymore. He never one time mentioned the farmer again. Not ever. He's 13 now and doesn't remember any of it. When I was young, about 8 to 11 years old, my sister, whom is 7 years older, would babysit me when my parents were out. At the time, she smoked a lot and my parents made her smoke outside, of course. So I would follow her outside into the carport, which faced the street, and play around, annoy her, and such. One day my sister notices a car at the end of the driveway, just sitting in the middle of the road. It's a white SUV, with a bike rack on top. It has the darkest tinted windows I have ever seen. You could not see anything inside. It sat there until we went inside, and then would drive to the end of the road and sit at the church parking lot and wait. Wait until she would come out again for another smoke, and it would repeat this over and over. Odd, but my sister was very brave and just kind of ignored it. That is, until the next day while my parents were out again, and it showed up again. It would sit at the end of the driveway and just watch. I don't know what the driver was doing, but he was definitely watching my sister. If I didn't go out with her, I would watch from the front window and it would just sit there the entire time she was outside. She eventually told my father, who was a sheriff deputy at the time, and he called the cops and made a complaint. They showed up and looked around, but the SUV was nowhere to be seen. Months went by, and nothing. And then one day, a good nine months after this had all started, it was back. It again became a regular occurrence. Another day, my sister was outside doing her nasty habit, and sure enough, there it was. We were alone as usual, and this time, she decides she's had enough. She tells me to stay in the carport, and she's going to go confront them. She starts walking toward the SUV, and halfway down the driveway, she would later remark, I felt utter terror, like I knew if I went any further, I was dead. I was paralyzed by fear. She turned around and went inside. Finally, the family car was in the shop for some kind of issue, so we were all stuck home for a night. 
and had to get delivery for dinner. While my parents are home, my sister goes outside to smoke. I go outside with her, and eventually the SUV shows up. She tells me to run inside and tell my father, and I do. My dad promptly gets his gun and starts briskly walking down the driveway with it in hand. The SUV floored it down the road and peeled out onto the nearby highway. My dad, being a cop, noted the year and model and distinguishing features. The scariest thing? The license plate had been covered with duct tape. We never saw it again. I grew up in a house on Long Island in the town of Brentwood. It was a quiet town for its location. My dad worked as a taxi driver at the time, which meant he would usually end up coming home early in the morning and I would greet him. So it's Saturday, I'm watching cartoons, and my dad comes in and I run to say hello. My mom hears us from the bedroom and says, Hey honey, don't go in the pool, it's not ready yet. My dad and I think that that's weird. It's 6am and we weren't going to go to the pool. We brush it off and he goes on to tell me his usual stories of the crazies that he had picked up throughout the night. We then realized it was Saturday. My mom was at work and it was only me and him in the house Fast forward a couple of weeks, and my new neighbors come over to welcome us into town since we had just moved in recently. It was the two mothers, two sons, and two little girls. I was playing soccer with the kids, however the little Burnett girl is nowhere to be found. The curious little kid I was, I ran around the property, and I find her playing in the woods. Definitely a dangerous area for little girls to be exploring. She asks me to come play tag, but I decline, wanting to get everyone in on the game. The reactions of everyone as I asked them to join us was puzzling, along with the response from their mom. We only have one daughter. As it turns out, a small brown-haired girl drowned in the pool ten years ago. The mother died of a heart attack not too long after this happened. This is my good friend's story, and he is definitely not known to make up things. His story happened when he was about eight years old. He was playing hide-and-seek with his friend at his house. It was late, probably around 10 o'clock. It's my friend's turn to find his friend. He's looking everywhere around the house, but he can't seem to find him anywhere. He eventually decides that he must be hiding outside, so he leaves the house to find him. He starts searching around some bushes when he hears his friend's voice coming from a dark corner, maybe 20 feet away. The voice calls for him to come over. He didn't, because he was already pretty spooked being outside in the dark. 
my friend yelled back, Come over here. That's when he said he really got scared. My friend kept saying no over and over again. At this point, he said that the voice suddenly changed to a dark, horrible-sounding voice demanding him to come over there. At this point, he ran back inside the house, only to see his friend standing in the living room. When questioned how he got inside so fast, the friend said that he never went outside. Whatever that voice was, it scares me every time I think about his story. About nine or ten years ago, I was friends with this guy that ran an event center. He would host gaming parties on Friday nights, and usually it would be packed. The place was located inside an old shopping mall, and you had to access it through the back door, where the night guard would let you in and out. So this Friday, we all go and we're having a blast. I decide to go for a food and drinks run before all the shops close, and I take everyone's orders. I head out the back door, and the back door is locked. I wait a minute and then call out for the guard. He appears from behind the door of his office and lets me outside. I go and then come back, and he's waiting for me. He opens the door, and I go back to the party. The weekend passed by, and on Monday, I decide to go hang out at the event center for a few minutes after school. I walk in the mall and there's cops everywhere and an awful stench. The shops were closed and the cops wouldn't let me stay for long, so I just decided to go back home. That night the news reported that there was a murder at the shopping mall. A lady that managed the place found out that one of the guards was stealing and that after she confronted him, he killed her and stuffed her in garbage bags inside his locker. The murder took place that Friday that I was there, and forensics estimate the time of death at around 9 to 10 p.m. My heart stopped. The news showed a picture of the murderer, and I immediately recognized him. It was the usual night guard. I get the shivers from just remembering this. The time of death overlaps the time in which I went out for a food run that Friday night and the back door was just a few feet away from the office in which the murder took place. Back in high school, I was part of our school's cheer squad. During the summer before the new school year started, we would all go to cheer camp and learn some new routines or stunts and compete with other cheer teams. Now, I really wasn't a typical cheerleader. I liked my space and didn't get rowdy with the others during our off time. I preferred to read or listen to music by myself in a room I shared with two other girls. During these downtimes, all the other girls were always across the hall listening to music and going nuts. They always did this with their door open, so I kept mine closed so I could have some peace and quiet. 
I was laying on my stomach in front of my boombox with my head facing away from the dorm door. All of a sudden, I hear a female whisper, Turn around. I turned around, and no one was there. I go back to what I was doing, and again, I hear someone whisper, Turn around. I figure I'm hearing voices carry over from the hallway, as the voice did sound like one of the girls on my team. I open the door to have a look outside, and surprisingly, the hall is empty and the door across the way is shut. It couldn't have been her. Again, I go back to what I was doing. This time, when I hear the voice whisper, turn around, again, it was followed by two hard taps on my right shoulder. I get up and look around. There is no one in the room. I go look in the closet that was closest to where the dorm door was. It was a shared closet that led to the next room that was occupied by our coach. No one was in there either. I figure, screw it, I'm not staying in this room tonight, so I go across the hall into the other room. Everyone is busy doing their thing. I tell my friend about it, and she keeps telling me to tell everyone about it, but I chose not to. It happened to be the last night of our stay there, and our coach and one of her friends were telling ghost stories. The last story they tell us is how the area where we had all been practicing, in front of a white gazebo, was where a wedding was supposed to have taken place. Something about some people that had donated a lot of money to the school had built it for their daughter's wedding. Their daughter ends up finding out that her fiancé was cheating on her, and she hung herself from the gazebo. I thought it was interesting that the gazebo was the first thing I noted when I was assigned my room. It was right outside my window. I don't know how true the story was, but I loved how the smiles and laughter completely fell from my coach and her friend's face when my friend had me relate my story. No one slept in that dorm room that night. My parents were on a trip to Europe. They're getting older and have plenty of money so they can travel wherever they want. I was taking care of their house. I was home for the summer from school anyway, so it was fine. I had been there for a few weeks and it was pretty quiet. I just went to work, came home, had some time with my boyfriend, enjoying the house to ourselves. But one night, I was just laying there watching TV when I heard this really weird, low whistling sound coming from the window that was just behind the couch. It struck me as sort of odd and I just sort of shrugged it off. But then it happened again. It totally sounded like there was a person standing at the window whistling. I looked out the window and of course there was no one there so I figured I should go check it out. If it were something like the wind on the siding, I wanted to fix it because that would become annoying. So I walked out into the backyard. The backyard at my parents' house 
is this super beautiful, sparse sort of forest that leads to a road on the other side. So I looked at the house and didn't see anything. But then, I heard the sound again. It was coming from the woods in the back. I was pretty creeped out at this point, and of course I couldn't see anything in the woods, so I hurried back through the door and locked it behind me. I never really heard the sound again for a few days. Until one night, I was asleep in my room, and I could have sworn I was awakened by the whistling sound against the second floor window. I listened hard, and it was dead silent, so I decided I should go ahead and look out the window. I did the whole thing where I crept super slowly towards the window and just sort of peeked through it. Outside my window there was a man standing there. I was really sleepy, so I can't know how much of this I'm just misremembering, but he was just sitting there staring at me. I was completely frozen, and slowly, the man pursed his lips, and I could hear the whistle again. It was crystal clear and made me feel like crying. I tore myself away from the window and hid under my covers. The next night, I insisted that my boyfriend stay with me, which he did, and of course nothing happened. He figured that I was just tired and delirious. It gets kind of anticlimactic from here, but I didn't hear it for another week or so, and when I did, I was alone. It was just a small whistle, happening randomly, coming from a wall or something. It just happens every week or so, and it always freaks me out tremendously. The weirdest part is that I kind of have started doubting the accuracy of my memories, particularly my encounter with the whistling man. The summer between my freshman and sophomore years of high school, a friend of mine and his family moved in with his grandma. They were buying a house that ended up having to have some work done, so his grandma invited them to live with her while they waited for the house to get finished. She had a beautiful big house, and it was just her and my friend's cousin that lived there, so there was plenty of room. My friend's cousin was two years older than me, and was going into her senior year of high school. The house's living room had a vaulted ceiling with floor-to-ceiling windows on all sides. It looked amazing, but gave you no real privacy. It wasn't a big deal, though, because the house sat about 500 feet off the road and had woods surrounding it on all sides. Shortly after my buddy and his family move in, I went over on a Saturday to spend the night. My buddy's room was small, so we decided to sleep on the two couches in the living room. Just as we are getting ready to go to sleep at about 1am, we see someone walk past the window outside. We get his dad who shuts off the lights in the house. About 100 feet away in a tree line, you can see a small red light as two people pass a cigarette back and forth. They are just standing there watching the house. His dad calls the police and then opens the front door and yells, and the two guys take off. The police find nothing over there. The woods are full of little game trails, 
so there is no telling where the guys went. The interesting thing is that there are only three houses within about a mile of this house, and none of them have older kids. One has very small children, and the other two have no kids at all. So we have no idea where the people came from. A few weeks later, another friend and I both spent the night there. The three of us walk into the living room at about 10pm to watch a movie, and there is a guy standing looking into the window. He sees us and then runs off. Again, we can see the lights of the cigarettes in the distance. Over the course of that summer, there were multiple encounters with these watchers. There were three places they would come and stand, and we never could forecast if they would come or where they would go. They would knock on the windows sometimes. Once they shook the front door so hard, it set off the burglar alarm. At times, we would just see them in the tree line watching the house. Once, they took lipstick and wrote, Hello, on the window. During the day, we combed the woods trying to find them, but never could. We thought it was likely guys from our school trying to catch a glimpse of my buddy's cousin in her bikini or in her underwear because she was really hot, but it would have been a hell of a lot of effort just to maybe catch a glimpse. We never found out who it was. Eventually, the house my buddy's family was buying was fixed, and they moved. Who these watchers were and what they wanted is still a mystery and always will be. This happened in California. It was around 2 a.m. I was at my friend's house, safe in a warm shelter suburbia. We had a lot to drink, chit-chatting, enjoying ourselves. Of course, when you're having fun, time hits the fast-forward button, and those few minutes turn into an hour. I had too much to drink. My friend has a bit of an abrupt bedtime, so I had to dodge out early, still intoxicated. I felt too shameful, thinking I'd be asking too much to stay in his house to sleep off my drunkenness. I suppose he was either too rude or too drunk to consider it himself. Anyways, sometimes a little inconvenience makes you appreciate everything else. I needed about an hour to sober up to drive back. As fast as time passed during my stay, it decided to drastically slow down as soon as I stepped out of the house. It was a cul-de-sac area, a concrete jungle with the stem of the street breaking into a fork. Alongside the road, my car was parked. The only street light was in the middle of the cul-de-sac, about 80 yards away. I stumbled towards my car, felt the metal line up, opened my door, and shifted to the back seat. Because this was a dark, strange, unfamiliar neighborhood, I took the leftover newspapers and a sweater from my back seat to cover myself up. I was a little scared, and I wanted to camouflage myself and not just be some guy awkwardly sitting in the back of his car, waiting for time to pass in order to drive home. I couldn't fall asleep. The uncomfortable feeling of being in the cheap back seat bed, enshrouded in the darkness, and of course, my mind began to wander. I thought of the worst case scenarios, like how the police would shine their lights at me through the window, or a drunk driver hitting my car, and wait, in the distance, about a hundred yards away, I can hear footsteps approaching. 
the gravel scuffed with each step forward, growing in proximity but periodically taking stops. I wondered why until it all made sense in my mind. Whoever it was was probably looking through cars carefully with the intent to steal one. I couldn't recall how many cars were on the block, but I counted three full stops until he was at my window, breathing. I froze. There was no more than a foot between us. The car encapsulated me as I lay hidden beneath the backseat clutter, forming myself into an object, trying my hardest to be unnoticeable, unmoving, and simply not there. I see you, said a man in a perverse baby talk. Imagine if you were playing hide and seek and one of your friends tricks you into coming out. He said it in a tone of voice, as if baiting me, like he was questioning whether the clutter in the back seat was just clutter or a person. I didn't want to move or check the window. I remained clutter. Give me an Academy Award. My body reacted by minimizing my breath, so much so that I felt paralyzed. I dare not look. My eyes fixated on the back of the passenger seat. I didn't blink. I didn't move. I didn't breathe. My heart was pounding so hard, it shook my body with each throb. He circled around the car. My ears did not fail me. I heard the steps. I felt like I was part of the car. I could feel him touching the trunk as he carefully pressed down on it, as if to test if there was an alarm, as if to test me. I was in the middle of fight or flight, and I couldn't do either without elevating the danger. I was frozen, and hoping to God he was just bluffing. He circled the car again. Door handle to my right jiggled. He was pulling it multiple times. I see you. Same tone, more agitated and stressed, more convinced that he was trying to make this clutter move, revealing itself to be his expectations that it was me. My muscles tensed like a cow before slaughter. Tap, tap, tap. That had to be metal against the glass. Take a penny right now and tap your window. Was it a crowbar? A knife? A rock? A gun? My eyes fixated on the scene in front of me, never averting my gaze, like he was. I was covered enough to where I couldn't see beyond the seat in front of me. I know I couldn't see him, but I could feel his eyes resting on top of me. My name is Poker Face. What's your name? The voice changed in a lower, demented, and serious tone. My mind forced a visual. It wasn't anything human. I had already accepted my death. I was ready to get shot in the head, ready to take that life-changing bullet, multiple knife wounds, just to make the sleep bearable, not excruciating, as you drain me from life. I wouldn't know how to react. My thoughts grew dimmer. I imagined my friend waking up the next morning, after a calm night, of safe sound sleep, only to discover my mutilated, defiled, bloody body hanging outside of my car door. It was then I heard nothing but my own heart. What was the person doing now? Just staring at me in the middle of the night? Talking to me? Or a messy pile in the back seat? Time froze. The footsteps were being swallowed in the distance. Thank God he left. I waited another hour till the sun showed hints of itself. I jumped into the front seat of my car and bolted out of there, wide-eyed and sober. 
This one time I went to the bar with one of my friends. I had just turned 21, so I haven't been to much bars up to this point. My friend was drinking on the way to the bar, so he was already pretty drunk when we got there. When I sat down, a cute girl came and talked to me and my friend. She said her name was Candace, and I noticed that she had really bright red hair. I assumed she dyed it. It was pretty, but unnatural. Anyways, this girl was flirting with me and my friend. She could tell that my friend was already drunk. To be honest, I played along and acted like I was drunk already, too, since it seemed to be working for my friend. I didn't know if she was just trying to get us to buy her free drinks, so I told her we didn't have much money. Then she offered to buy us drinks. She kept buying us drinks, and I started to get confused as to who she liked between me and my friend. My friend went to the bathroom. Before he came back, he was kicked out by the bouncers. He was way too drunk. Candace and I went outside with him. She kept telling him to go home with her. He was so out of it that he could barely answer. I told her that he was too drunk and I couldn't let him go anywhere. I didn't want him to wake up with a hangover in some random house with no car and no idea what happened. But Candace kept pushing it, saying that she would take care of him. I told her no because I had to stay with him. I was more sober than him and he was my responsibility. I told her the only way he was going anywhere was if I tagged along. I assumed she thought I was just jealous or cock blocking but my friend could barely stand and had lost interest in Candace already at that point. She immediately started flirting with me and offered to get my friend a taxi to drive him home and said we could go to her place. At this point I had a few drinks and I was pretty buzzed so I agreed. We took my friend to the taxi and then walked to her car. I slightly stumbled on the way to her car. Wow, you're pretty drunk, huh? She said smiling as she held onto my arm. Yeah, I said. I don't know why, but I just felt slightly shy and anxious. Everything was just happening too easy for me, so I felt uneasy. We got into her car and drove down the street. Want to stop at the liquor store and get some more to drink? I'll buy, so you don't have to worry about paying, she offered. I didn't want to drink any more than I already did. I was already buzzed. I wanted to be able to carry myself throughout the rest of the night. Sometimes I made myself stupid when I drank too much, so I didn't want to ruin anything with Candace more than I already did earlier with telling her my friend was too drunk. I told her I was already drunk enough, but she insisted. I didn't want to seem lame, so I told her I'd get a pint of liquor with some apple juice to chase it. She went into the store and came out with a lot more than just a pint. I assumed she wanted to drink more also. That's why she got a fifth instead of a pint. On the car ride, we passed the bottle back and forth, but she took teeny sips. I also tried to take teeny sips, but she kept passing the bottle back to me, telling me to drink. At that point, I somehow managed to drink all my apple juice, and I pretended to drink the liquor by spitting the liquor into the apple juice bottle. I tossed the apple juice bottle full of liquor out the window before she saw it. I didn't want her to know I was acting drunker than I actually was, because she actually believed I was sloppy drunk when I was simply buzzed. I took a couple more sips of liquor to finish the bottle. Throughout the car ride, I kept calling her the wrong name to get a reaction out of her, but she didn't react to it. She just kept letting me call her Carla without correcting me. For some reason, I thought she lied to me about her name initially. 
We drove up to her house and I pretended to trip and stumble into her front door. She helped me walk inside by holding me up. She opened her front door, which was unlocked, and we walked into her house. She closed the front door and locked it behind her. I thought it was strange, but I assumed she didn't want anyone walking in on us. I told her how to use the bathroom, locked the door, and looked in the mirror. I just felt strange. I felt like something was off. I also felt myself becoming more drunk from finishing the bottle earlier. I turned on the sink to make noise as I made myself puke the liquor out that I drank. I flushed and went back to the sink and started drinking tap water with my hands to sober up. I just didn't want to be too drunk, but I still wanted to hook up with Candace, so I wanted to pretend to be drunk. I turned off the sink and I could hear her talking to someone. He's drunk as hell. He can barely stand up. You do it. Who is she talking to? And do what? I walked out of the bathroom into the living room. The moment I stepped into the living room, I saw her walking into another room. All I could see was the back of her head, the strange very bright red hair going to another room. I didn't see her face or anything. The living room was pretty dark. Hey, where, where are you going? I slurred like I was drunk. She walked back into the dark living room and came up to me. Let's go into my room, she said. I looked at her bright red hair and then into her eyes. They were different. Her face was different. It was another girl with the same hair. That's when I realized it was another girl with the same wig on. It had been a wig the whole time. She changed it with a girl from earlier for whatever reason. My heart felt like it stopped, but I tried to look like I had no idea it was a different girl. I kind of smiled at her and told her I just needed to use the bathroom again one more time and sorry that I was so drunk. She said, it's fine, hurry up in there. I went into the bathroom and locked the door. I heard her whisper something to someone, but this time I think I heard a male voice whisper back. I honestly didn't concentrate on listening to exactly what she said. Something sketchy was going on and I had to get out of this house. I opened the bathroom window and jumped straight out of it and ran faster than I've ever ran in my life. I didn't look behind me or anything. I just ran through the backyard, jumped the fence, ran through someone else's backyard, hit a road, and ran towards the main road. I kept running down the main road until I saw a CVS. I ran into the CVS and stood straight in front of the store, in front of the camera. I called a taxi and went home. I try not to think what happened that night. What was she or they planning that night? Why did she give me a fake name? Why was she trying to get my friend so drunk? I thought maybe a robbery, but she kept spending money on us and we told her we didn't have much. She kept buying us drinks and even paid for my friend's taxi cab. And mostly, why did she wear a wig and give it to another girl to wear? Who was she talking to? What did it mean? And what was in that room that they tried to lure me into? I'm sharing this experience from literally last night because it's creepy as hell and I want people to learn from my experience. This is a precautionary tale. I understand that it's my fault, but maybe if I can help one person by telling my story, it will be worth it. I don't really drink as a general rule, but once a month or so, 
I go out with my friends and binge. My friends and I had a great night at the bar in the city, and then they left. I was chatting it up with a cute guy and decided to stay. I went back to his place. I'm ready to head home, so I call an Uber to pick me up. I don't know where I am. I know I'm in the city, but not the exact location. I order the Uber, but it's taking forever. Requesting, requesting, requesting. So I cancel it and try again. Pretty soon a car pulls up. I directly mumble something like, Is this the Uber? And I hop in. Big mistake. Ubers are apparently supposed to have some kind of marking on the vehicle. This guy pulls away and starts driving. We're chatting, and I'm fumbling for a cigarette. And the next thing I noticed that we were headed on the highway, in the opposite direction of where I thought we needed to drive. And we were going a solid 90 miles per hour. Then I get a call from my Uber driver. He's there, and I'm not, because I got into the wrong car with this nutcase. I start texting my friend frantically, counting off mile markers for her. Then I realize that's not gonna do Jack because she's probably still drunk too. So I call 911, but I realize this guy's crazy and he's refusing to let me get out of the car. So I've gotta do it on the sly. It's been 14 minutes now and I'm terrified. I don't know where I am. I don't know who this is. And we're driving over hundred miles per hour, weaving in and out of traffic. This guy's trying to get me to hang up my phone call. Yo, get off the phone. Who the hell are you calling? You better not be no snitch. So I don't want to do anything that might provoke a violent reaction from him. I start chatting to the 911 dispatcher as if it was my friend, praying that they'll catch on. Hey girl, it's me. I'm with someone right now. We're driving past Emerald. No, sweetie, it's not my Uber. I thought it was, but it's not. It's a shame you can't come and meet me and bring friends. Thanks, sweet baby Jesus, the operator catches on. He gets me to stay on the phone for a while while he sends cops, and we develop a code. If I see a cop, I'm supposed to casually put my hand out the window, which looks semi-normal because I'm smoking a cigarette. We pull into some random little housing complex, and he busts out some powder and forms two lines. I relay this to the operator in code. Oh girl, I wish you were here right now. This guy just busted out the coke. You would love it. He's taking a really big bump. Man after my own heart. Pretty soon, I can see the lights of the cop cars, so I start waving my hand out the window. At this point, I don't care if he's onto me or not. I don't know if he has a weapon, so I slump down in my seat, just in case things get hot. The cops around us get him out of the car, and then once it's safe, they get me as well. They whisk me away to the hospital for a drug test and evaluation, and that's where my story ends. On my way to the hospital, as I'm explaining this to the officer, I find out that of this guy's 40-ish years on earth, he's been in prison for almost 30 of them, for violent offenses. I want people to learn from my mistakes. If nothing else, call 911 and stay on the line.